You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. I learned a long time ago when the Lord gives me a word, not just to forget about it. And when it comes to a, a church word, and this has been happening, you know, kind of a lot lately, and it's not something I look for, but um, on December 12th, the second service, I want to remind you once again, so everybody pay attention. Even if you've heard it, um, every time I look at it, there's something new in it. This was full of the word of God, because that's what a prophetic, uh, prophetic utterance ought to be. It ought to be, because if it's God talking, I'm not talking about King James. I'm not talking about Amplified Classic. I'm t- talking about the spirit of, and the word of God being um, embedded in something. So it says, so as you enter into what you deem as next year, that's where we're at, 2022. How many, 2022 is awesome. <laughs> to God, it's not really a thing, but he set seasons for us. He set times for us. He doesn't need them, but he knew we would need a reset button every once in a while. That's why he did it. Be mindful to keep your eyes only on me. So where's your eyes supposed to be? On anything else? On anyone else? On anybody else's report? Look up. Let's just do it by faith. Let's go. Oh, there's, those lights are bright. Look up. Have a steadfast gaze. What does that remind you of? What's that supposed to remind you of? That's supposed to remind you of the serpent set up in the wilderness. When the, when, the, when, the, when the snakes came into the camp and thousands and thousands were dying, what do he say? Have a steadfast gaze. Everybody say steadfast. steadfast. That means not looking to the left, not looking to the right. On things that are above where you are seated and where I'm seated in the heavenly realm. So where's your, where's, your, where's your gaze supposed to be? It's supposed to be you're, at the, you're seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus, right next to the Father. That's where your gaze is. Um, Listen to this, pay not as much attention. So in other words, he's saying to us as a whole, y'all paying too much attention to those things that go on around you. He says, if you do, they will confound you. What does confound mean? It means it basically just make you go a little bit crazy. It'll confound you. But if you'll, but, everybody say but. Remember Pastor Rhonda's sermons, but God. But. If you look up, if you'll understand the season, come on, do you understand what season you're in? What season is it? It's the last days. It's the season of harvest for you. Everybody say, it's my season of harvest. Woo! Do you understand what season you're in? If you did, you'd greatly rejoice. For what I will do for you in this next season, I will bring much joy and power and an overcoming to the church. Like that. How many you know we've always been overcomers? But what's he doing? He's letting, adding a little oomph, a little more revelation so you can overcome like never before. For you'll need it. If he said you'll need it, then that means there's stuff going to be going on. He said you're going to need it. So for my grace, you shall walk in my grace. You shall stand and you will surely see my great and mighty hand. You'll know that my arm is not shortened. Remember, we talked about that two weeks ago. Aren't you glad God's arm is not shortened? I mean, he said, my hand is not closed. Aren't you glad God's hand is open? God's hand. Thank you, Lord, for your hand being open. I'll protect, I'll protect my children. All will know. Then remember two weeks ago, we shout about this. The land of Goshen will have nothing on you. The land of Goshen. Y'all remember we shouted about that? The land of Goshen will have nothing on you. 
<laughs> you'll see my power. You'll see my virtue. It's time to rejoice. It's time to be glad. Lay aside the mourning. Lay aside the sackcloth. Lay aside those things that would depress you and keep you down. For it's time to lift up a shout. It's time to lift up a praise. It's time to dance and be glad in my name. For I'll tell you, I've told you, and I'll tell you again, rejoice and be glad. Let the redeem say so, for it's time to triumph. It's time of victory. Have I not told you? So, so again, I say to you, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad evermore, and rejoice evermore. There is no time to be sad, so lift up your voice. Lift up your praise. Amen. Glory to God. So I thought I was really kind of done with this. And the Holy Ghost said to me, uh, well, basically I was just like, what are we doing? And so I just, I just felt led, prompted to pull it out. And sometimes just like the word of God, uh, something will jump up off of the page as you're reading it. And so something kind of jump up off the page again, because I talked to you about uh, his arm is not shortened and his hand is not closed. But right before that, he said, you will surely see my great and mighty hand. And so in times past, I've taught about the hand of the Lord. And so I got stirred up again to talk to you about the hand of the Lord. Because we already talked about his arm is not shortened, his hand is not closed. But I want to talk to you about what happens with the mighty hand of God. But it, it's in relationship to the standing grace again. So I'm a, I, I mentioned it again. I think for me, because I preach and teach on this so much, um, I love to teach about the authority of the believer. I love to teach on overcoming. I love to teach on being free. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful for what the Lord did in my life. But if there's ever been a season where you need to know that that there is an enemy and, and what Jesus came to do something about that. You know, so many in religious circles, so many um, have really a misconception from the new Testament. Uh, they get a lot of their doctrine from the old. They never have really understood what has happened. And so I love this. And if you come to Cornerstone, any, you're going to learn about John 10 and 10. Because it is a great line of demarcation and you have to get this. And this is something you can help other people with. Because if they don't understand this, then they won't fight. The Bible says we all have a good fight and that's the fight of faith. But you see, uh, a lot of times people today say, well, whatever goes on, God is either for it or at least he's allowing it. And how many of you know, that's not always the truth. Because uh, Jesus told us very clearly that it is Satan, the father of lies, who does what? John 10, 10, Jesus clearly marked it out hereafter forever going forward for you and I to understand. The thief does what? He, if, so anything that steals from you comes from where? Let's, be, let's all get real sure about it because there's people out there watching they don't know. When anything ever steals from you, if it takes from you, if it's bad, it comes from where? The devil. How many times? 100%. If he steals, anything that kills causes death. Where does it come from? The devil. How many times? 100%. 100%. 100%. He's the source. He's the root. Steals, kills, anything that destroys a family, destroys a business, destroys uh, homes, destroys, anything that destroys, it always comes from where? 
the devil. Well, I just believe that God allows it. This is not, um, this is not trick or treat. Uh, the, the Lord and the devil are not on the same team. Uh, God does not use the enemy for a henchman. He's not a hired servant of God because Jesus said, I have come. Now listen to me. Before in the old covenant, you can look there and it says God allowed. Because sin always called out for judgment. The wages of sin has always been and will always be death. And the devil, since Adam and Eve turned it over to him, has always been the God of this world. Jesus called him the prince of the power of the air. There is an enemy. There's incident, but listen to me. Jesus said, he announced this, and so you need to get this. Um, But I've come. But I've come. But I've come. But I've, has Jesus come? Not only was he on the earth, but he can say, he would say now, I've come, I've went to the cross, I went into the bowels of hell, I took my blood, I put it on the mercy seat, and now I've sat down. And I've come. And I've come. No, you need to get this. I have come. Because see, anybody say, well, God is. No, but you can say, yeah, but Jesus has now come. Jesus has now come and he who knew no sin took all the sin. He took all of punishment. He took, if there was any wrath of God, he took it. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took all of it. There's none left to take. He took it. He took punishment. He took the penalty of sin. He who knew no sin became sin. So you could become something righteous. He took every sickness, every disease, and he took it upon himself. He became poor so that you could become rich. Now now listen, Jesus said, I have come, but I have come, but I have come that you may have and life more. So anything that brings life comes from where? I mean, all the time. If it's, if it's life, it's abundance, it comes from God. All right? So you and I have to know that, okay, there's still an enemy. Still, there's still a devil. But Jesus defeated him. And there's ways for you and I to walk in total and complete victory. Total, complete freedom. Total freedom from sin, freedom from sickness and disease, from poverty, from everything you've been redeemed from. You and I, in the middle of everything going on and whatever will go on, we can live the abundant life. If your focus is in the right place, if the word of God is coming out of your mouth, if you're believing, and right now, if you'll be rejoicing, because the Lord wants to get you something. And so you and I need something because the thief steals, kills, and destroys, but God has given you a weapon against him. And, and you know, yeah, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee, and that's true. But it says you'll walk in my grace, uh, and you'll stand in my grace. And so I want to remind you again about what standing grace is, because you have an enemy. And he doesn't have, he can run over the other 7.4.99 billion people on the planet, but he doesn't have to get to, he can't, he can't just run over you. I don't care what they diagnose you with, you don't have to keep it. 
I, I don't care what the devil got going on all over the world. It doesn't have to happen to you. You have been given tools that win. You've been given weapons that win. You and I can win every fight. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. By whom we have access by faith into grace. Y'all know how to walk in faith? You need to use your faith to access grace wherein you stand. There's all kinds of grace. There's saving grace. There's serving grace. There's grace to be rich. There's also a standing grace, an empowerment grace that you can resist the devil. And I know we went over this a little bit two weeks ago, but I want you to see. So everybody say, I have faith to access standing grace. And then watch, it says, and rejoice. See, when you get standing grace, you'll learn to rejoice. When you get standing grace, you'll rejoice. What's the Lord told us to do? He said, if you'll walk and stand in my grace, and they keep talking about rejoicing. What, what's going to, if you get this standing grace, this empowerment to stand against the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you'll rejoice in a glorious expectation of the glory of God. You'll have a joy. You'll have an expectation. Your hope will be, um, will be uh, you know, energized and you'll rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So everybody again, everybody say, I have grace to stand against the devil. So the Bible says in James 4, 7, it says this standing grace is to do something. It's because we're, we're going to look at this, but James 4, 7. So the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, don't let this be too simple, y'all. I know you've heard it before, but you and I are supposed to resist the stealing. You and I are supposed to resist the destroying. You and I are supposed to resist the killing. God is not allowing it because, but I have come. Jesus took that. So, so get out of your mind. God's allowing this. Why, where's God? Where's God? I'll tell you where he is. He's sitting on the throne. I'll tell you where he is. He's living in you. I'm telling you what he's doing. He's waiting on you and I to believe something and say something and do something. That's what he's waiting. Well, I'm just waiting on God. Come on Wednesday nights and I'll, and I'll kill that holy cow in you. I mean, that thing will move all the way out when I'm done with it on Wednesday nights. I'm just waiting on God. I'll kill it. It'll go, and it'll die. Just waiting on God. So the Lord's given us some things. And so what are we going to do? Well, we're going we're gonna to resist. So we're going to get this grace to stand in, and we're going to do what? James 4, 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Are you submitted to God? Are you submitted to his word? Amen. Are you submitted to him? Then you have the ability to resist any sickness, any disease. I don't care what they label you. I don't care what they called it. I don't say they called it incurable. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what's going on. We have the name of Jesus. That's the name above every name. And we, and if the, cause the devil's the one bringing it. And so if he's bringing it, I serve someone who defeated him. I know somebody, he lives in me. And if I can receive, so it's important though, I'm receiving this standing grace. This gra I receive this standing grace by faith and I'm going to stand it. And what I'm going to do with it, I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to resist the devil. First Peter 5 and 9. First Peter 5 and 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. So no matter what afflictions you have, they're accomplished. They're, so listen to me. It's, so uh, one of the things the devil will always do is say you're a special case. <laughs> In other words, uh, yours is more difficult. Yours is harder. But um, don't get mad at me. You're not that special. You're not that special. The word of God will work for you if you work it. The only reason it won't work is if you don't work it. 
The only reason it won't work for you is if you decide, I'm going to go the natural route. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm not going to do it God's way. But you can do it God's way and get help from other things. That's fine as long as you don't trust in them, as long as you don't rely on them, as long as you don't lean on them. God is the only one you trust. God's word is the only one you trust. So how are you going to resist the devil? How are you going to resist him? Steadfast, unmovable. Come on, none of these things, come on, what did the Apostle Paul say? Uh, I'm going all over the place from my notes, but Acts 20, 24, what did he say? He said, none of these things move me. How, how many, what is everything trying to do? It's trying to move you. What do the circumstances do? What are circumstances for? They come to move you. What do reports do that aren't from God? They've come to move you. What move you off of what? What you believe. Remember, the Lord spoke to a church. He said, uh, you know, who has deceived you? How is it that you started in the spirit? Now you're going to be made complete in the flesh, oh, you foolish Galatians? Come on, Cornerstonians. We are not of them. If we start in the spirit, we're going to finish in the spirit. We're not going to lean on the hand of flesh. We're not going to rely on the hand of flesh. Come on, the apostle Paul said none of these things. Come on, everybody say it. Say none of these things. Move me. Come on, I'm not being moved, right? What, what in Ephesians chapter 6, 6 through 10, it says, uh, you know, uh, talks about standing. And having done all these things, stand therefore. Come on, everybody shout, I'm not moving. I'm not, what are you not? I'm not moving off the word of God. I'm not moving off my confession of faith. I am not moving. I, what is the devil trying to do? He's trying to move you. How does he move you? Emotionally. How does he move you? With bad reports. How does he move you? He moves you with things you see, things you hear, things that feel, things that are emotional. He tries to move you off the word of God. But you've got to make up your mind like the apostle Paul. And he had way more stuff than you and I put together. He said, none of these things move me. Come on, shout it again. I'm not moving. And what did the Lord say through the apostle Paul? Having done all to stand. Stand therefore, stand therefore, I'm still standing. Come on, sing, say I'm still, sing it, Ted. I'm still standing, hallelujah. Come on, I'm still standing. <laughs> hallelujah, I'm still standing. What did the Lord tell the apostle? That's why he has such a revelation. Remember when he got tired. Come on, if you, had, if you were bobbing up and down the ocean all the time and everywhere you went, you either had, you know, he probably, he loved the revival, but everywhere he went, he also had a riot. I mean, his friends, people he thought were his friends were uh, beating him up. People that were his enemies were beating him up. Everywhere he'd, go, he'd be in prison. He, he didn't have anything to eat. He had a lot to eat. He had a coat to wear. He didn't have a coat to wear. I mean, they, they, they stoned him for dead. He, left, he was dead. I believe he was raised from the dead. And he can say none of these things move me. And remember, he got tired of it. I remember, you know, it's been a while. I think I even did it yesterday. I was like, wow, Lord, I'm just really tired of this. And I, all the time I hear that, then I hear this on the inside. Being tired is not a strategy. The apostle Paul said, Lord, because I'm tired, I know you're going to deliver me. Because really he, he, he kept saying, he beseeched the Lord three times. And what did the Lord say? Get over it. Toughen up, buttercup. No, that's not what he said. And a lot of people said, my grace. He, a lot of people believe he said, just suffer through it. It's part of what you need to do. That's not what he said either. He said, my grace. What a grace is that? Standing grace. That's what we're talking about. 
My grace. Everybody say God's grace grace. is sufficient. What does that mean? That's why he said, oh, I get it. Well, then when I'm weak, I'm strong. I'll glory in my weakness. Come on, come on, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Well, I'm just going to stand here then. I'm going to stand, therefore, and, and I'm going to put on the armor. That's when he got a full revelation of the armor of God. While he was sitting in a prison, while everything wasn't good, he got a full revelation of being able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Come on. Everybody say, I'm not moving. Come on, I'm not moving. So what do we need? Then we need grace. Well, where do you go to get grace? Well, the first thing you do is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. So where should you and I be spending a lot of times? Hebrews 4, 16. If things are going on around you and the devil's raised his ugly head and things are happening, you're getting more reports than you can handle, and this is happening and that's happening, even if you ain't watching the news, everybody's telling you the news, and this is going to happen and that's going to happen, and worry starts to come, let us come boldly. Come on, when things start going on, where do you need to go? Where do you need to go? Where do you need to go? Come on, M- uh, mama, everybody's bothering you. Daddy's bothering you. The children bother you. Everybody's bothering you. And you all need, you just need to say, it's, to you, it's got to be like this. It's got to be like the serpent on the pole. He's like, you all need to shut up and come with me to the throne room. Because we're going to the throne room. Let us come boldly into the throne of grace. Why? So I can have some mercy. Are y'all need the mercy of God? But find grace. What kind of grace? All kinds of grace. The best kind of grace right now that you need, it's all important, but to stand against the wiles of the devil, where should you be spending a lot of your time? In the throne room, in the presence of God. That's a real place. That's a real place that you've been invited to. You sit at the right hand of the Father, right there at the throne room, so you need to come boldly to the throne room. And do what? Obtain grace. Glory to God. And so uh, what's some other things that you can have this grace? Well, one of the biggest keys to walking in the grace of God is humility. What is humility? Well, I'm nothing but a worm. I'm just a sinner. Um, No, that's not humility. That's false humility. True humility is total reliance on someone else. True humility is total reliance on someone else. Um, what some people might say, we need a religion, it's a crutch, it shows weakness. Really, it's a sign of strength, understanding that God is God. And if I submit myself to him, then I get his strength, I get his power. So I, what do I got to do? I got to humble myself. Well, uh, so let's look at this. James chapter 4, verse 6. James 4, 6 and 10. It says, but he gives more grace. Do you need more? Can you get more grace? So if more grace is available, then you can walk in less grace. If more, well, this is a one-time deal. No, it's not a one-time deal. Because if it was a one-time deal, he wouldn't invite you to the throne room to obtain it. So if we're not having success resisting the devil, then what does that tell me? We're not spending enough time in the throne room. What does that tell me? We're not humbling ourselves. Uh, Humility says, God, I can't do this on my own. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to do this on my own. I need you. I need you. He gives more grace. uh, Where God gives more grace, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So God does what? Some of you have been around a long time. Uh, One of my favorite football players ever. I know football season is over, but it's never over with me. Hallelujah. One of my favorite players ever was Sweetness. Walter Payton. Chicago Bears. The best player in, I don't care what the rest of them say, they call these goat things, I don't even understand anymore, but if there was ever a goat, his name was, uh, this just sounds weird, uh, Walter Payton. 
And he would always finish his run with a stiff arm. Always. And he would always finish his run, just for you if you didn't know, with, he would move the ball um, one yard further than where he was, and sometimes the refs would give it to him. Anyway, so uh, he just always did that. That's what he did. It was his habit. And, and yet I love the fact, and this is always the thing with me, is um, I don't want a stiff arm from God. I don't want a stiff arm from God. If you've ever been stiff armed by God, you know it. He resists. And where do I get that from? Well, let's look at 1 Peter 5, 5 in the Amplified Classic. 1 Peter 5, 5. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, lesser rank, be subject to the elders and ministers, the spiritual guides of the church, uh, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe, op- uh, apron yourself, all of you, with humility. So you're supposed to clothe yourself with humility as the garb of a servant so that its covering cannot possibly strip from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud. Wow. What is it? Well, proud. Well, I'm not proud. Proud means I got this. Proud means I choose to do it another way. Proud means I'm tired of waiting on you, God. I'm going to do it my way. See if you can catch up. Proud means I'm going to put my hand to it. You said you bless it, but I'm just going to do it my anyway. I'm just going to do it my way. Now you wouldn't think you say that, but your actions tell where you're at. Y'all good? Everybody good? I don't want to be proud. I don't want a stiff arm from God. He sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous. The is there more? Hallelujah. The boastful, and he opposes frustrates and defeats them, but gives grace. Thank God for the but. Let's just say that's us right now, but we're we're after the but. Hallelujah. But God gives grace, favor, and blessing to the humble. But who's, well, Lord, just humble me. No, God can't humble you. You got to humble yourself. This is not, that's not about God. Well, Lord, I just ask you to humble me. That's not his job. His, His job is to give you grace after you humble yourself. But see, it's up to you. It's not up to him. So humility versus pride. Pride just literally means I got this. Pride means I'm going to make this decision and I'm going to ask you to bless it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, but that's not, that's not who we are right now, right? Y'all left me. Do you want grace? What you got to do? You just got to humble yourself. Lord, you know what? My life is not my own. Lord, I need direction. I need help breathing in, breathing out. I set my eyes only on you. I'm listening, Lord. I'm listening. So what happens? Then grace comes, all right? And then I want you to see this. Then 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, humble yourself, therefore under the what? Okay, we're getting to the sermon now. Are you ready? We're got under the what? In the, in the utterance that he gave me, he said this. Um, he said, for my grace, you shall walk in my grace. You shall stand. You'll see, you will surely see my great and mighty hand. And so when I read that, that just popped off the page and his hand slapped me, I guess. Because he said, you talked about my hand not being shortened. You talked about my hand open, but there's something about my mighty hand that I want to show you. I want to show these people. I want to show my church. 
Um, and so how do we get? Humble yourself, therefore, under what? The mighty hand of God. Now, if you, in conjunction with that, if you look at James 4.10, James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall do what? But see, you put that with 1 Peter, you're under the mighty hand of God. You humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And then as you humble yourself, then James 4, 6 says, he will do what? He will lift you up. What's he lifting you up with? His mighty hand. What do you lift things up with? Because well, I'm within words. No, I think here together, it's talking about uh, he's lifting you up. He gives verse 10. For, uh, James 4.10 says, he lifts you up with his mighty hand. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he's going to lift you up. Are you ready to be lifted up? Are you, uh, come on, are you ready to stand? Are you, re- are you ready for a ride? Woo, when you get in the mighty hand of God and you're going on a ride there, it's a good ride. Hallelujah. How do you get it, though? You got to humble yourself. Humble yourself. <clears throat> well, then I want to talk to you just real briefly. I, there's so many. I don't have time to talk about them all. But I just highlighted a few. What does God's mighty hand do? In Joshua chapter 4, verse 24, it says that the people of earth might know that the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So one of the things the hand of God on you and the movement of the hand of God will do will bring back reverence for God. If there's anything that is missing in the modern church, it's reverence for the almightiness of God. Reverence for God. Not not a fear like you're afraid of a tornado, but respect and honor because he is the almighty. He is Abba to you, but he's also the almighty. So the hand of God in operation will bring back reverence and respect on the earth. And the other thing it does, Ezra chapter 7, verse 28, it says, And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. So when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, I just see his hand coming around us and strengthening us. Well, that aligns with other scripture, that you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and you're strengthened with all, you know, you're strengthened in your inner man. But I'm telling you, the hand of the Lord, there's some extra things he wants to do. And what he wants you to understand, it is his hand which is open and mighty is at work in your life as you humble yourself under his mighty hand. And so as you do that, we're, we're letting him bring reverence and honor and respect back to the earth. He's strengthening us. First Kings chapter 18. I love this one. Let's just read it for fun. First Kings 18, 44 and 46. 44 through 46. First Kings 18. <clears throat> 1 Kings 18, and it came to pass in the seventh time, he said, remember what, remember what Elijah was doing? There's drought in the land, go look. So at the seventh time, he said, behold, there arises a little cloud. Finally, I see something. I see something. It's not much, but I see something. It's like a man's hand. It's like a man's hand. It looks like a hand. It look, no, it looks like a hand. Did I tell you to go look for some clouds outside and see if they look like God's hand? No, but in this is the old covenant. He's like, it looks like a hand. 
And he said, go say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, get thee down, that the rain not stop. There hasn't been any rain forever. But he just had a, he, he had a, he had a knowing, he had a sign. Verse 45. And it come to pass that in the meanwhile, that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Verse 46, I love this. And the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, and the hand of the Lord. I will bring much joy and power and overcoming to the church like never before. For you'll need it for this hour. For my grace you shall walk in, my grace you shall stand, and you will surely see my great and mighty hand. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Well, Pastor Mark, are you telling me the hand of the Lord's gonna come? He said you're gonna see it. I didn't say you're gonna feel it. I didn't say, you know, his hand literally is going to come on you. But what the hand of the Lord comes on you, what happened? He girded up his loins. And I'm not going to promise you that you're going to run so fast. So, you know, don't go join a track club or anything. I'm not talking about that or, you know. But what, what am I, what is that? That's strength. That's power. When the hand of the Lord comes, that's a sign. That's a wonder when a man uh, runs past the king's horse. I don't know how that's going to look now, right now. All I know is the hand of the Lord is here. All right? The hand of the Lord is coming. All right? Again, in Acts eleven twenty one, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great multitude believed and turned to the Lord. So when the hand of the Lord comes, what does that mean? Uh, signs, wonders, and miracles. What does that mean? The convicting power of God. What does that mean? People see it and they turn from their lost position, from their backslidden position. Amen. God's always been willing to show his power, even to the backslidden Israelites. The God who answers by fire, let him be God. Amen. But here the hand of the Lord comes upon them in the new covenant, the church that we're in. And what happened? The hand of the Lord was with them and a great number. Everybody say a great number. I'm looking for a great number. What did they do? They turned into the Lord. What with that? The power of God. Amen. In Ezra 7, 6, it says the king granted all his requests because the hand of the Lord was upon him. What does that mean? The favor of God. When the hand of the Lord comes, the favor of God comes. When the hand of the Lord comes, people will start doing for the body of Christ like they've never done before. They're going to give them things. They're going to give them positions. They're going to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing because the favor of God surrounds us like a shield. It always has. But even more so when the hand of the Lord comes upon you, what happened? I, he's, the king granted him all, all of his requests, according to the hand of the Lord, the, his God that was upon him. So when the hand of the Lord is upon you, the favor comes. Pastor Belinda was talking about Joseph, the hand of the Lord. As he gave him that dream, the hand of the Lord came on him. And when he was in the pit, the hand of the Lord was on him and he got him out. And he went to Potiphar's house and the hand of the Lord was upon him. And even though bad things happened, uh, he had to go to the jail. But the hand of the Lord was upon him and then he got out. And the hand of the Lord was upon him as he was in the palace. The hand of the Lord was always on him. The hand of the Lord is on you. God lives in you. God is on you, but the hand of the Lord is upon you. Come on. I, I, the hand of the Lord's on me. 
The hand of the Lord is upon me. The hand of the Lord is upon my family. The hand of the Lord is upon Cornerstone Word of Life Church. The hand of the Lord is working through us. The hand of the Lord is on us. Hallelujah. What's happening? We're going to be strengthened. Great reverence and power coming. What's going to happen? Uh, um, people are going to see the hand of the Lord and, and the power of God, the strengthening power of God is going to be there. What's going to happen? As the power of God is on display, people are going to get saved and come back to the Lord and get filled with the Holy Ghost. What's going to happen? Great favor is, oh, that's just like the book of Acts. That's just like the book of Acts. Well, we're done with the book of Acts. No, we're still living in the book of Acts. There is no end to the book of Acts. If you'll read it correctly, more things are happening. And I guess the rest of the book of Acts, you'll have to read it when you get to heaven. Because it's the acts of the Holy Ghost. It's really incorrectly, not the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is still acting. He's still doing things today. Amen. Remember in the book of Acts, it says the favor of God was on them. Hallelujah. All right. Then 2 Kings chapter 3. I so love this portion of scripture. 2 Kings 3. There's a drought in the land. They're in a mess again. And this is Elisha. And um, they needed some water. 2 Kings 3. Verse 14, and Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives, host is talking about angelic help, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee, but bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make the valley full of ditches. So the first thing is, they got into the presence of God. Why do you think the Lord is telling us to rejoice? Could he have told us to worship? Could he have told us to fall on our knees? Could he have told us, it, I mean, a worship is vital. But there is something particular right now that he needs you to do in rejoicing. There's something particular that rejoicing brings that maybe other aspects of worship or praise don't bring. There's some, if the Lord is asking for something specific, you know, it's like Christmas time when you want something specific and somebody gives you something else they think you need more or that they would rather you have and you don't enjoy that, do you? I told you what I wanted. I told you what color it was. I sent it to you. <clears throat> What's so hard about that? But I thought, I didn't ask you to think, I asked you to get that. That's really what God's saying right now. I need you to rejoice. And again, have I not said to you, and I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice evermore. And again, I say, rejoice. What's he trying to do? There's something obvious. I don't know it all. I don't. I don't know. I don't know exactly. All I just know to do is rejoice. I know how to rejoice. And I know how to rejoice with joy. And so that's just what I'm going to do. And here, when his was a little different, he asked for a minstrel. He, he, he asked for uh, Dr. Esho. 
And you can come right now, Dr. Esha. He asked for Dr. No, he didn't ask for Dr. Esha. He asked for somebody. Uh, he had a minstrel. And he began to play. And when he began to play, what happened? I, I'm not trying to work up something. I, I'm not saying something's going to happen right here. But, you know, whatever was going on, a lot of times around here, the Holy Ghost comes in. Sometimes when we're rejoicing, sometimes we're worshiping, and he'll have something to say. But you don't need me. You can be your own prophet and priest. You can hear from God. Right in the middle of your rejoicing, you can get a strategy. Right in the middle of your dancing, the Holy Ghost can say something to you. But you see, if you're sitting on the side, I'm just waiting on God. I doubt it. I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting. Oh, please come on Wednesday nights. I really want to help you. Because what all this waiting on God is, is not really waiting on God at all. God's most of the time waiting on us. And what does he tell us to do? Well, right in the middle of your rejoicing, right in the middle of your dancing, right in the middle of your laughing, the Lord can say something to you. Because you need a strategy. Just like he tells me, being tired is not a strategy. I've tried to make it a strategy. Have you? Lord, I'm just tired of this. Fix it. It's not a strategy. It's not even faith. But I know what is a strategy. I know what to do to get a strategy. Let me say it this way. I know what to do to get a strategy. I've done it for 30 some odd years. I know how to do it and I want you to do it. Because see, every one of your personal lives is different. Every one of your family dynamics is different. You've got things you need to hear from God. And every one of you who are born again, you can hear from God. And you don't need Doppo to come to your house. You don't need, uh, you know, you can put on some music if you want. But if you'll just begin to rejoice for you, the same I believe will happen that what happened here. So in verse 18, verse 17, it says for the, um, verse, no, 15, back to 15. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played. It came to pass when the church rejoiced. It came to pass when y'all rejoiced at your house. It came to pass that the hand of the Lord came upon them. It came uh, to pass as you ja uh, ja jance. You know what jancing is? It's jumping and dancing together. Jance, when you jance. It's a new word. <laughs> it really didn't come out that way. When you jance, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> when, you, when you jance, uh, the hand of the Lord comes upon you. And he, and he said, thus says the Lord. He'll give you some. He said, in this case, make the valley full of ditches. I love this. Make the valley. Because see, then normal people would say, what up with that? Why? You want me to do something? You want me to dig a ditch? That is the stupidest thing I ever heard. But you either believe the prophet, you either believe you hear from God, or you don't. And so in this case, what did they begin to do? I'm digging a ditch. Everybody became ditch diggers and they dug ditches. <laughs> and then it said, um, he said, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind. You're not going to see any rain. So don't, don't look up to the wind. Don't look for the clouds. Yet this valley shall be filled with water. That you may drink, both you, your cattle, and your, and your beast. And this is but a light thing. What? 
You're going to get me water for my livestock, for everybody, for all these people, and you consider it a light thing? It's a light thing. Come on, y'all. Nothing is too big for God. Come on. Nothing is too hard for God. Amen. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites into your also. And, wh and while I'm doing it, while I'm filling the valley full of water from not rain, um, from somewhere else, you just obey me and dig ditches. You just, faith, I walk by faith, not by sight. I, I, I'm digging a ditch. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm just going to dig a ditch. I know, I know the voice of God. I, I'm a doer of the word of God. I know his voice, the voice of a stranger I will not follow. I'm led by the spirit of God because I'm of the truth. I hear his voice because I'm part of the church. I have ears to hear what the spirit of God says to me. And if he says dig a ditch, I'm going to dig a ditch. Come on. If he says do this, then I'm going I'm to do that. Come on, if he says do this, I'm going to do that. If he says work here, I'm going to work there. If he says join here, I'm going to join there. If he says serve here, I'm going to serve there. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what he wants me to do because what, what is he doing? He's trying to get me something. And then he said, while you obey me and the water's coming in, besides that, I'm going to defeat your enemies. Also, also, I'm going to take care of them that are harassing you. While I'm bringing in water that you can't see from the heaven, uh, you know, it's not coming that way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something else for you at the same time. Come on. God can walk and chew gum at the same time. Hallelujah. And you got one problem, two problems, three problems, four, you know, but he can take all, he can take care of them all and even more. Hallelujah. God's doing something. Amen. What is your assignment? Your assignment is to get in the presence of God. What is your assignment? To get into standing grace. What is your assignment? Let the mighty hand of God uh, work for you. Let, what, what do you need to understand? God's arm is not shortened. What do you need to understand? His hand is open. What do you got to do, do to, to cooperate? You got to rejoice. What do you got to do to cooperate? You just got to, you got to dance. Hallelujah. You got, you got to, you got to jump up and down. You got to dance. You got to laugh. Hallelujah. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't care what you feel like. I told you what God said to do and it's word and it's scripture. It's not just something I pulled out of my head. It was an utterance from my heart. And either we believe what God said and we believe what he's going to do. And it doesn't matter what we look at. We're not going to look at things around us because all that's going to do is depress us. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to feed on worldly advice. We're not going to feed off of what they say. We're not going to feed on what the world is doing right now. We're going to feed on the word of God. And we're going to get ourselves in the presence of God. And his standing grace is going to come on us. And we're going to resist the devil. And he's going to flee. Hallelujah. And that grace wherein we stand, we're going to, we're going to see the, the great and God's mighty hand. And, and what is that hand going to do? It's going to strengthen you. What's that hand going to do? It's going to bring you favor. It's going to bring you favor. What's that hand going to do? It's going to cause miraculous things to happen. What's it going to do? It's going to cause people to get born again. People in your family that you've been believing God for. I don't care if they live here or way over there. I, I, it doesn't matter because they're part of your family. God's going to get them born again. They're going to come back to church. The backslidden are going to start coming home. I believe it. I believe it. And what do I got to do to make it happen? Listen, y'all, he could have told us anything. He could have said, now I just want you all to crawl on your bellies. I want you to weep and mourn. But no, he said, rejoice. Reminds me of that, that, that world leader. His, uh, one of his servant girls 
uh, was it Elisha she knew and he was doing miracles, right? And remember he got up all this stuff and loaded up and he went, went to the prophet and he was really ready to bless him, give him some money and clothes and everything, remember? And he said, uh, go dip um, in the dirty river, right? And, and the, the commander was offended. He was offended. I got better rivers to dip in at home. What was he expected? He was expecting personal ministry. He's important. He was expecting, I don't know, maybe she told him, I don't know what, I, I don't know, a, a special one. He, he didn't even come see him. Just told him what to do. Offended him. And thank God for good right hand people. Good people surrounding you. And so one of his servants said, if he, you know, forgive me, Lord, master, big boss. If he'd have told you something hard, would you have done it? Go get your behind over and start dipping. We all need people like that in our life. Now that was probably big for him. He didn't say get your behind over there. I added that. He told him to do it. And what happened? One dip, two dip. On the seventh dip, what happened? Came up healed. Why? Because God said so. I said, because God said so. Because God said so. What did God say so to you? I'll meet all your needs. By his stripes, you've been healed. And he also said, if you just rejoice. All right, I, I, I warned you at the beginning of this year. I know you all looking comfortable and sad. Not, and you don't look sad. You look glad. But, you know, get up off your blessed assurance. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I know we normally end with slow and worship and we, we you know, but I'm not letting you go home that way. It's too, uh, we're gonna, am I going to have to turn the air down to 60 in here to keep you all awake? Mm, all right. I, all right. <laughs> I told you I was going to get serious about this. Some of you may not have seen this side of me, but when the Lord says something, we're going to do it. I said, when the Lord said something, we're going to do it. I, I, I said, now listen to me. If, if you can't jump up and down, then get up on your toes. If you can't lift up, you don't have a shouting voice. At least lift, quit whispering. Hallelujah. Come on. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The Lord has done great things. Whereof we are glad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. Hallelujah. 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 We rejoice in the Lord always. Ha 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 ha. Come on. Rejoice. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. We hope you're inspired by today's message. 
If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.